0: On Monday, sensing a political advantage after Donald Trump decided it was a wonderful idea to smear a gold star family, sneered at Republicans for failing to sufficiently disown Donald Trump. Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid, one of the scummiest politicians on the planet, targeted Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell and Speaker of the House Paul Ryan. He said, quote, Senator McConnell and Speaker Ryan approvingly spoke at Donald Trump's convention, endorsed Donald Trump for president, and believe he is mentally fit to sit in the Oval Office. Occasional statements that do nothing to repudiate Donald Trump's words and actions are spineless. Anything short of revoking their endorsements is cowardice. This shouldn't be hard. Donald Trump is a sexist and racist man who insults gold star parents, stokes fear of Muslims, and sows hatred of Latinos. He should not be president, and Republican leaders have a moral responsibility to say so. That was Harry Reid, the most immoral man in the Senate. Leftist Greg Sargent of the Washington Post wrote a similar piece making a similar argument. He wrote, as some Republicans are already remarking, Trump's battle with the Khan family makes it harder and harder to avoid the acknowledging the possibility that we really have no idea how low Trump will sink. It's kind of true, but there is one problem. Democrats don't get to preen about the moral shortcomings of Donald Trump and Republican cowardice for supporting him. They're cheering wildly for Hillary Clinton. Here are three reasons why. First, Hillary is worse than Trump as a human. Over the weekend, one major political candidate earned a four Pinocchio rating from The Washington Post. That same candidate slurred Gold Star families as liars. That candidate was, of course, Hillary Clinton, who appeared on national TV to explain that FBI Director James Comey had fully cleared her. He'd even said she was honest. This, of course, was a lie. Then Hillary went on to claim that Benghazi gold star families must have misremembered her comments to them about a YouTube video being responsible for their kid's death. Hillary can complain all she wants about Trump's connections with Putin, but she's the one who handed Putin a reset button, then cut a nuclear deal that allowed the Russians into our uranium mines. For every Trump sin, There's one just as bad in Hillary's closet, and usually worse, since she was working for the government at the time. Second reason, Trump is our black swans. Here's the thing, you guys wanted Hillary. Donald Trump, as everybody knows, was a -a once-in-a-century aberration. Republicans never expected him to do well, let alone win the nomination. As soon as it became clear Trump would have a serious shot at the nomination, a lot of Republicans announced they would never back him, like me. Today, many Republicans who will back him do so out of a simple moral calculus that he's better than Hillary, not because they like him. The same is not true for Hillary. Not only do Democrats want Hillary to be president, the DNC worked arduously to deny Sanders the nomination. The media have played fast and loose with Hillary, denying her evils, pushing her all the way to her historic nomination. Before you start gloating about Republican moral failings, take a look in the mirror. You begged for Hillary. Most Republicans try to stop Trump. Final reason. You guys are still backing Hillary. There are lots of Republicans who aren't planning to vote for Trump, including me. Even the ones who will are out condemning Trump over the Gold Star family thing. Where exactly are the Democrats condemning Hillary's corruption? Where's the Never Hillary movement from the left? Why do leftists get to claim moral superiority for ardently supporting a worse candidate? In a normal world, they wouldn't. But they can, because the media have been propping up a cackling corrupt old crone for two decades, and they're not going to stop now. So no... Democrats have no moral superiority for backing Hillary. They just have, as always, their own perceived and unearned moral superiority. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Tend to demonize people who don't care about your feelings. Okay, so first I want to start off by thanking one of our sponsors, Harry's. Harry's razors, they do a really good job. So Harry's is a, is a fantastic company. You basically order with them and become part of what's, what's basically a shaving club. And their product is really great. I mean, I use the product under my chin. The way it works in Jewish law is you don't shave with, with, a, with a straight edge on your face. You can shave under your jawline with a straight edge, which is, of course, the hardest part to shave. And Harry's really does the trick. Their products are fantastic. Harry's right now has a starter set called the Truman, and it's a great option for new customers. This is what they sent me, and I love it. I've been using it. You know, every day except this one when I didn't shave because I was too lazy. But for 15 bucks, you get this razor handle and a moisturizing shave cream and three of Harry's five bladed German engineered razors. Plus, if you're a fan of the show, you get a special offer. You go to harrys.com, you type in promo code Shapiro, you get $5 off of that. So 15 bucks for that, you get $5 off. So it's 10 bucks for you. So if you go to harrys.com, with promo code ben then you get $5 off you also help support our show obviously you support our advertisers you support the show you make sure the dominions who run the who run the teleprompter and who and who run the cameras don't go hungry tonight don't let the children go hungry gang go over to harrys.com we, we do use children we use child labor Go over to harrys.com, promo code Ben, and uh, the, the razors are cheaper, they are better, they're superior uh, in, in every way, and, uh, and I can tell you that because I've used multiple razors, and this is the best razor that I've ever used uh, for, for the under the jawline area for me. So harrys.com, promo code Ben. All right, so we have a lot to get to today here on the Ben Shapiro Show. Glenn Beck is going to be joining us momentarily. Do we have Glenn on the line at this point? Well, uh, let's see. Is Glenn here? Uh, okay. Okay. Perfect. So Glenn is, Glenn is joining us right now. Glenn Beck, of course, the, the iconic talk show host, the iconic leader in the conservative movement. And Glenn has a brand new book out called Liars. Glenn, thanks so much for coming on the show.
1: Thank you, Ben.
0: OK, so let's just jump right into it. You have this brand new book called Liars. And the basic premise, the subtitle is how progressives exploit our fears for power and control. Essentially, your, your thesis is that the left is trying to construct utopia, or at least they, they claim they are. And that's a pretty good pitch for power. How do you see that playing out in this year's election?
1: Yeah, I, I don't, My premise is different than what you just laid out. It's not the left, it's the right and the left. <laughs> it's the entire progressive movement, which we know, um, you know, was started by the Republican uh, Theodore Roosevelt. So it's both of them, and you can see this, you can see this happening right now. The best example is the um, DNC convention. With the DNC convention, you, you saw them say one thing, all of the politicians, were talking Marxism like nobody's business, and yet the interstitials and in all the presentation was warm and fuzzy and let us embrace you, and we're just like you. So they're using, they, they let Trump use the fear, then they made their audience fearful of Trump, but then embraced and took all of the trappings of traditional America. They took the Constitution. They took de Tocqueville from us. Um, They took, um, we're better than this uh, kind of language and they wrapped it in hope. And that's how it works. You have the fear. Progressives usually create the problem, which creates fear. Then they give you the hope of, we'll protect you from that. And I really think, I think this is the best example of how progressives work, and I think it was the best convention, best packaged convention I've ever seen in my lifetime.
0: It really was a well-packaged convention, and it's easy to sell that lie because everybody is sort of looking for a savior. It's the ugly truth that no one wants to wants to realize is that as religion disappears in the country, people are looking for a new religion to fill that space, and what better religion than the government?
1: Yeah, and that is, you know, uh, it's, it's fascinating. Most people don't know that progressivism they believed in uh, communism and they believed in fascism. The right generally believed in fascism, and the left believed in communism. But they didn't want the revolution, so they they thought let's just progress to that utopia. They're still doing that, and somehow or another, uh, a few of us have been convinced that Americans still understand what self-rule even means, what what independence means, what. Uh, um, uh, pulling yourself up by, by uh, being somebody who is self-determined. I don't think the average person knows that. I, I make the case that um, we're in America 2.0, that the founding fathers don't really play any part in what we're doing right now. It's the founding fathers of Theodore Roosevelt, Woodrow Wilson, Margaret Sanger, FDR,
0: Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama. It's very scary stuff. The book is called Liars, and Glenn Beck, of course, is on the show. And, Glenn, how did it happen that, that it was able to take over America so completely so quickly? As you mentioned, it's now both parties. It was amazing to watch Donald Trump say, I alone can fix it, and then watch Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama both say, how could you possibly say, I alone can fix it, and then follow up with, they alone can fix it. Uh, basically, right. every, everybody's pitch is now, they alone can fix it. They took this German progressive ideology, wrapped it in the flag, and repackaged it, and they're selling it to us. How was it able to be so successful? I mean, we traded away the freest country in the history of the world for this. Why?
1: Um, If you look at it, you know, everybody thinks it's happened so quickly. I contend, Ben, that um, we were fools in 2008, even 2000, when we thought, oh, well, everybody thinks like we do. We're all Americans. We all want basically the same thing. I I think it's been lost for quite some time. It just hasn't had the... um, It just hasn't had the push to be completely what it is now. We're seeing the fall away. Look at the Republicans that are falling away for Trump. He's, I contend, if you look at his programs, much of them are socialist, and he's a nationalist. That's a frightening uh, uh, combination to put together. I don't think it's happened over a long period of time. I think the progressives were very, very smart at the very beginning, and did the Council of Foreign Relations to bring academia and the media together to teach us stupid people what policies we should enact, Um, and and the White House Correspondents Dinner, which was started by Woodrow Wilson, to bring the press into the fold with them yet again, and they've been patient and making progress a little piece of the time. You know, I, I am a little ashamed of our side if we talk about doing any of the things that the progressives have done that are, that are honorable, um, you know, that are just saying, hey, let's make a long-term plan and let's start reverse progressivism, you can't get anybody on board. No, nobody is interested in having a long-term plan. That's what killed us. They had a long term plan. We didn't. I totally agree with that.
0: I totally agree with that. I mean, there's a crisis mentality that is adhered to the right where it's every election is the most important election that ever happened in our lifetime. So we have to take the lesser of two evils instead of building an actual grassroots movement. But that sort of, that sort of, requires us to ask the next question, which is, how do you go about building a movement like that in a country that, for as you say, for 100 years has had a public education system that rejects founding values, in a country where the media totally reject founding values and suggest that what makes America great is what government can do for us? I mean, you even see folks on the right, and when, and when people will say, about what's great about America, the folks on the right will immediately say, we put a man on the moon. That was a government program. What's great about America is the freedom that, that, that was created by the founders that allow us to thrive in our private lives.
1: Yeah, I think what's great about America is uh, Elon Musk will put a ban on Mars, but even that, even that, will be largely government funded, which mm-hmm. is a problem. Um, the uh, uh, the 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 way to to look at this, I think, is I mean, the way to get around it is first educating yourself on what it is and how it works, and to be able to see, Trump guys, you're. You're doing exactly the same thing. You are in this book. This is what you're doing. Um, so educating yourself, actually outlining some principles, which we didn't do. The Tea Party didn't have principles. The 912 Project had principles, but that turned that kind of into a uh, political thing too. If it's just politics, you're just gonna lose. Defining the principles and then taking over the media. Uh, That's a hard one, but you're doing it. I mean, I just I just spent about 20 minutes this morning reading the daily wire We're trying to do it at uh, the blaze what you're doing right now what I'm doing online Same thing we have to understand that the culture makes all the difference And if you I know you're smart enough to know this but when, when I watch the DNC You know it's 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 pretty easy when you can call up jj abrams and say hey make a little two-minute film to make me look good we don't have those people on our side you know we call scott baio Um, but we suck at um, uh, storytelling and that's all they do they reach for the heart think about this they stood on stage and said have you even read the constitution and then followed it with a speech that is directly from the Communist Manifesto. No, you apparently haven't read it. But they knew that pulling out this and saying, have you read it, would be such a heart moment that it didn't matter what they said after
0: it. Yep. and need
1: to start telling stories and start getting our act together because we have the winning argument if we can also connect to the heart.
0: Amazing how good at it they are and how bad we are at it. And you're exactly right. I mean, when you talk to conservatives about culture, and you know this better than I do, Glenn, because you've actually tried to move into the movie-making space. When you when you talk to conservatives about funding movies, it just it, right over their head, because it's more important that we fund the Next Heritage Foundation white paper, and that's great, but, but it's more important that we, we fund the, so, the we we toss ten million dollars into Donald Trump's campaign and he's gonna lose by ten than it would be to just take those ten million dollars, invest in a film that's gonna be seen by tens of millions of people because, after all, this election is the only thing that matters. And when I watch entertainment, all I really want to watch is Ronald Reagan docupex, which, of course, is false.
1: I will tell you this, that I'm not sure that we can ever um, do this until we start understanding our lives, our fortunes and our sacred honor. If you read uh, the book Liars, you will see how well thought out this was how well orchestrated, How um, how, that that they had all of the real thought leaders and the real um, uh, uh, artistic leaders and business leaders all with them. And they said, this is our plan. Now, you do this, you do this, you do this. You bring up movies. Uh, You can't talk to anybody with big pockets on the right that will actually say, okay, I'm, I'm gonna take a risk. It's all about the bottom line. When do I see a return? And movies are too, too scary. I don't know if we wanna do a movie because we're gonna lose a lot of money. Do you know how much money the left has lost? You know how much money they're just willing just to put down in case it works? We, we've got to start taking more risks and
0: realizing your money is worthless if we don't have freedom. Well, the, the first step toward, toward obviously taking risk is, is getting to know what's on the other side. And Glenn Beck's book, Liars, How Progressives Exploit Our Fears for Power and Control, fantastic book. It's out today. We're so flattered that Glenn can stop by and chat with us. Uh, and I can't recommend the book highly enough. So it's obviously your local bookstore, Amazon.com as well, correct?
1: Watch all the time, Ben. You're doing a phenomenal job. Many times we have conversations of why can't we be more like Ben Shapiro?
0: <laughs> well, I appreciate that. That's very kind of you. And don't, don't, don't stand too close because when Trump comes to take me away and put me in a cell, I mean, I'd love to have you as a cellmate, Glenn, but it's, it's definitely a possibility at this point. So, so I would recommend yeah. at least a 300-foot distance.
1: No, I, uh, my daughter, we were talking as my family, and uh, they said last, just last night, Dad, what do you see happening if Hillary's? And I said, Hillary is Eva Peron. And, uh, and what happens if Trump? And I said, Trump is Mussolini. <laughs> And they said, what do we do? And I said, I don't know, because both of them end with your father in
0: jail. <laughs> exactly. Well, again, it'll be a very entertaining uh, adult fun camp, shall we say, as Hillary might put it. <laughs> Thanks so much for stopping by. I really appreciate the time. That is Glenn Beck. His new book is the book Liars, How Progressives Exploit Our Fears for Power and Control. OK, so we have tons to talk about, obviously, beyond Glenn. Uh, where We want to talk about, uh, we're going to do an epic episode of Good Trump, Bad Trump coming up in just a minute. But you have to go to DailyWire.com for that. So if you want to subscribe to the show, you go to DailyWire.com. You get the rest of the video podcast. $8 a month, you get my podcast, you get Andrew Clavin's podcast. Most importantly, you get to email us, you get in, in the mailbag on Thursdays, which is, of course, the vaunted Ben Shapiro Show mailbag, the greatest mailbag that ever was, and and we have lots more to talk about today. We didn't even get into all of the fun and games with Donald Trump, which is really, I have to, I have to say, nobody said that the end of the Republic was going to be this much fun. So I'm, I'm glad that at least we get to laugh hysterically as we walk down into our tomb as a country. So that, that's very exciting. DailyWire.com uh, for the rest of the show or iTunes and SoundCloud to download the, the audio version. All righty, so... It's time to play Good Trump, Bad Trump. Yeah, everybody loves some Good Trump, Bad Trump. Okay, so we begin today, as always, with Good Trump. Yes, that's right. Donald Trump said something good today. So what did Donald Trump say that was good today? Well, he's getting ripped up and down in the media for saying something that really is not a big deal at all in any way. What he said was that Hillary was the devil. I'm confused as to why this is controversial. I mean... Realistically speaking, Hillary's not the devil because the devil would never be so obvious as to disguise himself as Hillary Clinton. But, you know, when, when Donald Trump says she's the devil, obviously, it's a figure of speech. Here's Trump saying that and the media, losing its mind.
2: His people are angry at him and they should be. If he would have just not done anything, just go home, go to sleep, relax. He would have been a hero. But he made a deal with the devil. She's the devil. He made a deal with the devil. It's true.
0: Okay, so (laughs) he says that she made a deal with the devil. Uh, He made the deal with the devil. Sanders did. She's the devil. All right, big deal. So the media loses their mind over this. This is good, Trump, because honestly, a whole round of headlines about whether Hillary is the devil or not is not going to be particularly bad for Trump. That's That's a good round of headlines. Then Trump does something else that's good, right? More good, Trump. Yay, well done, two in a row. So here's Donald Trump talking about the media.
2: The biggest problem we have is we have a very dishonest media. We have a media that is so dishonest that no matter what, makes no difference, but these are among the most dishonest people you'll ever, ever meet. These people, you know, I've had days where I said, boy, this was a great day, I look forward to seeing it tonight or tomorrow, and it's brutal. I say, what happened? But we're gonna punch through the media, we have to.
0: Okay, so he's totally right about this, of course. The media is horrible. The media are out to get him, and the media are out to get conservatives generally. That's all true. Okay, so that's good Trump. Yay, good Trump. Okay, now, unfortunately, <laughs> we get to bad Trump. So here, again, is my, my normal disclaimer. You want to vote for Trump, vote for Trump. That's fine. You know, I understand the logic. Trump's better than Hillary. Okay, that's, that's, your, that's your prerogative. That's your risk assessment. I get it. It's totally fine. Don't How, how much you embarrass yourself to defend Trump is another question. Right. You can say I'm voting for him, even though he's he's really quite terrible. Okay. Here's here's my rule. I am going it's not picking on Trump to make fun of him. OK, I make fun of everybody, as you've noticed from the show. And I got to admit, the dude is just hilarious. He's just hilarious. So now it's time, unfortunately, unfortunately, for bad Trump. So here it's time for some. bad. Let's do some some bad Trump. So Trump, there's a big story that comes out from The New York Times this morning. Okay, so this is the last 48 hours for Trump. Let me back up for a second. Last 48 hours for Trump. We played him yesterday attacking a fire marshal, right? He attacked the fire marshal because he says this corrupt, evil fire marshal didn't let enough people into his building, right? So he attacks the fire marshal. Then he says he's going to crack down on internet porn the same day that the New York Post runs lesbian nude photos of his wife, right? Okay, little weird. Probably gained five points in the in the straight male community in the United States because Melania is a good-looking chick, but. Let's be real, it's a weird juxtaposition, I will crack down on internet porn, also, directly next to this article, if you move your eyes over three centimeters, is a picture of my nude wife with another nude lady. It's a little strange. Okay, so, even that, not that big a deal. Weird, sure, but let's be be real about this. The first spouses, either way, are pretty bad. The first spouse for Hillary Clinton is a guy who's receiving particular favors and and using cigars in unique ways in the Oval Office. And the first spouse on the Trump side is a lady who posed in pornography. So I think that we are, we may be done with the days of the classy first spouse. But there's the funny, okay, so there's funny bad Trump, and then there's just Trump being terrible bad Trump. So let's start with the funny bad Trump because it's a lot more fun. So yesterday I tweeted out that. Trump, because he feels the need to attack everybody, he attacked Ted Cruz again last night for no reason. Because Trump feels the need to attack everybody, it's only a matter of time until he attacks a puppy, right? I said this on the show yesterday, that if the Hillary Clinton campaign trotted out a puppy on stage next to Trump wearing an I'm with her t-shirt, Donald Trump would punt the puppy into the third row. I said that jokingly. Today, here was Donald Trump at a rally yelling at babies. Yep, it's real. Don't worry about that baby, I
2: love babies. so. I love babies. I hear that baby crying, I like, I like it. What a baby. What a beautiful baby. Don't worry, don't worry. The mom's running around like, don't worry about it, you know? It's young and beautiful and healthy and that's what we want, okay. But, but look, look, China, when they devalue, ripped us absolutely to shreds. Actually, I was only kidding. You can get the baby out of here. <laughs> That's all right. Don't worry. I, I think she really believed me that I love having a baby crying while I'm speaking. That's okay.
0: People don't understand. That's okay. Was he dropped on his head as a child? I'm just wondering. Like, what? He loves babies, and then he starts talking again, and the baby doesn't stop crying. So then he says, oh, well, get that baby out of here. In the olden days, they would have taken that baby out on a stretcher. So it's very exciting stuff from Donald Trump. So there he is attacking a baby, which is weird. But don't worry, it gets weirder. Some person gave Donald Trump a purple heart, like a medal. And here was Donald Trump's response to receiving a purple heart.
2: A man came up to me, and he handed me his purple heart. Now, I said to him, I said to him, is that like uh, the real one or is that a copy? And he said, that's my real Purple Heart. I have such confidence in you. And I said, man, that's like, that's like big stuff. I always wanted to get the Purple Heart. This was much easier. But I tell you it was Uh, such an honor, and maybe I can bring him up on the stage, Lieutenant Colonel Lewis Dorfman. I just happened.
0: Oh, just like that he appeared. Okay. (laughs) I love how every picture of Trump is him with the thumbs up. It's pretty spectacular. Okay, so the reason that's bad, Trump, is because this morning. The New York Times. The New York Times released a story about how Trump dodged the draft like five times. He got five different draft deferments. One because his ankles hurt. Okay, so when he says things like "I always wanted one of these," this was a lot easier. Um, if you always wanted one, you get the Purple Heart for being wounded in a war. If you wanted one, I don't know why you'd want a Purple Heart, and even even soldiers don't want Purple Hearts, right? Nobody wants the Purple Heart, because the Purple Heart is when you get wounded. No one wants to be wounded. But it's, it's just, it's, oh my god, he's just, he's, what, what words are there? We're beyond the point of parody. Okay, and that wasn't the limit. This, this was my favorite, this is my favorite. These are all small, okay, so none of these are a big deal, but if we don't laugh, folks, we just have to cry, because remember, on one side we have the most corrupt woman ever to run for high office, and then on the other side, we have a guy who legitimately, legitimately may have escaped the the clown show at the asylum, like the asylum, it's not even a regular clown show. It's not like with sane clowns putting on putting on paint. It's like an actual, an actual clown show where they recruited from the asylum and forcibly painted the faces of the of the asylum inmates. So here's Donald Trump. This one's my favorite. This is Donald Trump. Uh, this is clip five. This is Donald Trump talking with his good friend Sean Hannity, being coached through being a presidential candidate by Sean Hannity. Yeah, I used to take violin lessons as a really, really good violinist. And, uh, and basically, this whenever it's Trump and Hannity on TV, it's essentially Sean Hannity teaching a political lesson to Donald Trump. So he sort of, he says, Donald, don't you think it would be great if you said this? And then Trump goes, yes, that would be great. <laughs> so here is Donald Trump attacking the New York Times and this I'm sorry it's small folks all this is small but you must laugh because come on it's hilarious come on
2: but the New York Times is so unfair. I mean, they write three, four articles about me a day. No matter how good I do on something, they'll never write good. I mean, they don't write good. They have people over there like Maggie Haberman and others. They don't, they don't write good. They don't know how to write good. And I guess if they did, they're certainly not doing it. But the New York Times is just absolutely a disaster. Let me ask one other.
0: <laughs> they don't write good. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting critique. They don't write good. The word is well. And if you want to say they don't write good stuff, then you should say they don't write good stuff. Ah <laughs> oh, yeah yeah, they don't write good. All right, so they're gonna to go to the the Donald Trump Center for kids who want to learn to read good and do other stuff good too. Ah oh, yeah yeah, Zoolander joke for those of you listening over the age of forty. Okay, so. That's Now to the serious bad Trump. So that's all just the goofy bad Trump, right? So it's goofy bad Trump, him just basically being adult, because that's, that's what he is. He's like he's your, your clodish uncle who's got a couple of drinks in him, and he's just going to say what's on his mind, and it is really funny. I mean, it is. I, can't, I, I have to admit, it's hysterical. And then there's, there's like actual bad Trump. So Trump spoke to, to Kirsten Powers about sexual harassment, and he had said earlier on July 24th on NBC... That some of the women who are complaining about about the that some of the women who are complaining uh, about being sexually harassed by Roger Ailes he, he's Roger Ailes helped them and when they write books and say wonderful things about him now all of a sudden they're saying these horrible things about him he he spoke with Kirsten Powers about sexual harassment and here's what he had to say
3: during an interview when asked what his daughter should do if she were sexually harassed at work. Donald Trump said he would like to think she would find another career or find another company. The question, specifically framed around the allegations against former Fox News chief Roger Ailes, came in an interview with USA Today. Trump defended Ailes.
0: So he says, so he says in case you missed the robotic reading, what he actually said to Kirsten Powers is he said something to the effect of that women should actually just quit their jobs and then quit their industries. He said... He said, "I would like to think she would find another career." This is Ivanka. I, I would like to think she would find another career or find another company if she were sexually harassed. Okay. Here is here is Eric Trump, his son, making the same case on CBS this morning.
1: In the workplace, there, there is no question. There is no question that obviously it should be addressed, and it should be addressed strongly. And hey, listen, we all run a company. My father runs a company. You know, we take this. That is a absolute no go um, anywhere. And, and and that's very much the case. I like think what he's saying is, you know, Ivanka is a, a strong you know powerful woman she wouldn't allow herself to be you know objected you know to it and by the way you should certainly take it up with human resources and i think you know she she definitely would as a strong person at the same time i don't think she would allow herself to to be subjected to that and i think uh i think that's the point he was making and i think he he did so well
0: okay so he she wouldn't allow herself to be subjected to that first of all women don't generally allow themselves to be subjected to sexual harassment okay it's not their fault if they're sexually harassed if some dude is a pig now, that happens on a not infrequent basis. Beyond that, the line that women should just quit and find another job, okay, there's some truth to it, which is that if you're being sexually harassed, you really don't have a lot of other choices. But to pretend that when Roger Ailes, when a very powerful man sexually harasses a less powerful woman, that's a serious problem, and that's not a problem that can always be cured by going to human resources. Okay, the companies don't like it when their executives are sexually harassing people because they have to make major payouts. But if you're talking about a very powerful man, from Bill Clinton to Roger Ailes, if you're sexually harassed and you talk about it, you're done. Your career is over. You're finished. And if you go to HR, as we all know, I mean, anybody who's ever been in an office environment where there is human resources, if you go to HR, the first thing that happens is that the bosses start to marginalize you, and they see you as the problem. It doesn't matter if what you're saying is true. HR is one of the more useless aspects of virtually any major company. You go to HR and suddenly you're the problem, you're the red flag, because you're the one who complained, you're the one who's, who's raising the issue. And then if you end up leaving the company, then word is around town that you're litigious and that you complain to HR. So it's a little bit harder than the Trumps are making it out to be. Now. Eric Trump isn't wrong that the solution is to go to HR if you're being sexually harassed or, or grab a lawyer, then you have whistleblower protections, or change companies. But to pretend that Ivanka Trump is in the same scenario as any of these other women who are being sexually harassed by one of the most powerful men in media, allegedly, that's, that's really not particularly good stuff. And then it gets worse. Trump is now claiming—remember, what's the day today, August 2nd? It's August 2nd. Donald Trump is claiming on August 2nd that the election is going to be rigged. Here is Donald Trump talking to Sean Hannity about this.
2: I hope the Republicans get out there and watch very closely, because I think we're going to win this election. But if it's rigged like anything else, look, it was rigged, I thought, a little bit for me, and we won in landslides. I think it was rigged against Bernie Sanders with his super delegates nonsense. Absolutely. Was, well, we know I, it was you know, rigged now. Guy we never have had the had emails. A chance. And and I'm telling you, November 8th, we better be careful because that election is going to be rigged. And I hope the Republicans are watching closely or it's going to be taken away from us.
0: Okay, it's going to be rigged. The election is going to be taken away from us. Here's the problem. When Trump said that the primary system was rigged, he was wrong. And I talked about it at the time. It wasn't rigged. It just wasn't a system that he liked. It felt rigged because there were caucus systems where it was unclear how people were actually getting voted into power. There wasn't a straight popular primary vote. When you're talking about the national election in the United States, when you're talking about the the election across the country and you say it's going to be rigged, now you're getting into leftist paranoia territory. Now you're getting into 2000, George W. Bush stole the election from Al Gore by purposely perverting the ballots and then having Diebold machines that are related to Halliburton or some such nonsense. And this is the narrative that the Trump campaign is already starting to put out. So Roger Stone, who's legitimately one of the sleaziest people in the history of modern American politics— Roger Stone was speaking to Milo Yiannopoulos over at Breitbart, another sleazy person in the history of American politics. And Roger Stone says, I think we have widespread voter fraud, but the first thing Trump needs to do is begin talking about it constantly. He needs to say, for example, today would be a perfect example, I am leading in Florida. The polls all show it. If I lose Florida, we will know there's voter fraud. If there's voter fraud, this election will be illegitimate. The winner of the election will be illegitimate. We will have a constitutional crisis, widespread civil disobedience, and the government will no longer be the government. He said, if you can't have an honest election, nothing else counts. I think he's got to put them on notice that their inauguration will be a rhetorical, and when I mean civil disobedience, not violence, but it will be a bloodbath. The government will be shut down if they attempt to steal this and swear Hillary in. No, we will not stand for it. We will not stand for it. So, in other words, Trump's got his confidants out there basically saying that if Trump loses, it must have been stolen from him. And that's not unusual for Trump. This is Trumpian kind of language. Anytime he loses, it's somebody else's fault. But. This is getting into dangerous territory now. If the implication is that Trump loses by 8 million votes and that it was still stolen from him, well, if people think that the electoral system seriously doesn't work, then we can't have a republic anymore, we can't. If people think that you going out and voting, you're being cheated, your ballot's being thrown out, then you're gonna have the same sort of unrest that you've seen in other places around the globe where people feel that their voice is not being heard and where the election isn't taking place, right? And then you get violence in the streets and it's not gonna be civil disobedience, it will get violent. If people feel like they're being jobbed and Hillary Clinton is being inserted through a corrupt process, things will get violent. The problem is, of course, that there's no evidence that any of that is happening. I mean, it's August 2nd. We haven't even heard rumors about any of that happening. What's going on is Trump's looking at the polls and he's seeing the new polls today are not good for him. There's a new poll out today showing him down eight. He's losing in all the major swing states. The only state where he's still ahead is Florida. And Florida, the last poll, was taken July 10th. So they haven't had a poll since the conventions. Right now, Trump is running one point behind in Utah. In Utah, the most Republican state in America, he's running 36-35 to Hillary. Hillary's got 36. He's now running even in Georgia, 45-45. to These are not good numbers for Trump, so he's beginning to figure, okay, how do I spin this? If I lose, how do I spin this? That's not where you want your candidate at, ladies and gentlemen. You know, on August 2nd, what you want your candidate doing is fighting as hard as he possibly can against Hillary Clinton, not prepping the groundwork for whining if he loses. But... I don't think that Trump really knows how to win or cares about winning. I think that for, for Trump, it's all about the narrative. And if the narrative is that he was cheated, he understands that his people will still continue to claim that he was screwed out of this, even if he really wasn't. Now, meanwhile, this 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 Khan family rollout continues to, to make headlines. As you recall, this gold star family. And, and we're talking a lot of Trump today because Trump's in the news. And, again, not my fault Trump's in the news. We spent all last week talking about Hillary Clinton because Hillary was in the news. If Trump would shut his face for five seconds and not do silly things, then we could talk about Hillary and her terrible, evil corruption. Right now, Trump is the story. And we've got to follow the story as much as that story may make us want to vomit continuously. Khan, uh, the, the father, Kaiser Khan, he comes out and he says that he's not looking for an apology from Donald Trump after Trump basically said that his wife wasn't talking uh, because his wife is Muslim. He's, uh, Kaiser Khan was on with, and Stay. say, because Matthew comes down with a show, go.
2: If you could write the script of his apology, what would you like him to say? No apology needed. In certain, the best
3: apology would be that his supporter repudiate him be away and pronounce their repudiation. We don't need
0: any apology from him. We are beyond those apologies, and we were promised several months ago that he will pivot to in the right direction. He will change, and he will not I know. do all that, but... Do you want to hear anything more from him, no,
4: no, I don't want to hear anything from him, and I don't want to say anything to him. Hmm.
0: Okay, so so obviously this is an effective emotional appeal from the Khan family. There is a problem, of course, which is that the the policy they're pushing for is really not a very good policy. And as several outlets have pointed out, Kaiser Khan has spent a lot of his career working on increasing the level of Muslim immigration into the United States. So he really is ticked off at Trump's immigration policy more so than he's ticked off at Trump per se, although Trump is stupid for going after him anyway. uh, Trump made another comment today. Uh, about khan and he he responded this way to to kaiser khan this is just again not smart
2: i can say this if i was president because his son died twelve years ago if i were president his son wouldn't have died because i would not have been in the war if i was president back then there would have been no war for iraq i can tell you that because i think it's ridiculous the whole thing and uh... to be in that war was as you know as ever since i've known you i've been against that war
0: OK, so he says that if, if he had been president in 2004, Kaiser Khan's son would still be alive, which is a pretty cruel thing to say because you obviously can't predict those sorts of things. We were at war in Afghanistan as well. Kaiser Khan presumably would have served there, too. Trump also went on to say, quote, It's a very big subject for me. Border security is very big. When you have radical Islamic terrorists probably all over the place, we're, allowed to, we're allowing them to come in by the thousands and thousands. And I think that's what bothered Mr. Khan more than anything else. And, you know, I'm not going to change my views on that. OK. Poor wording there, because I don't think this is what Trump's saying, but it certainly comes off like he's saying that Khan wants radical Islamic terrorists coming into the country. That's not what Khan obviously wants. It's just I wish that I wish that we had a race between Hillary Clinton and someone who's relatively competent. This does bear some pretty negative ramifications for Republicans more broadly. Here's an example. So there's a rally. Mike Pence, the vice presidential candidate under Donald Trump, and one of the members of the audience gets up and asks Mike Pence about the Khan family. I'm less concerned with Mike Pence's response, because Mike Pence's response is, is good. I mean, what he says here is exactly right. It's the answer Trump should have given all along. I'm more concerned with the rally goers. Listen to what the rally goers do when this lady asks a question.
4: Mr. Pence is, time and time again, Trump has disrespected our nation's armed forces and veterans, and his disrespect for Mr. Khan and his family is just an example
1: Stop it there.
0: So the, so the lady is, is a gold star. She's not a gold star mother, but she, she has a son in the military. And she asks the, the question about Trump's disrespect to the military. Now, you can disagree with the premise of her question. You can say that Trump doesn't disrespect the military and he doesn't disrespect the military the same way that Hillary does. Hillary tried to ban military uniforms from the White House when she was first lady. Her, the presidents under whom she served has slashed and burned the military all the way down to pre-World War II size in terms of the Navy and the size of the ships in the Navy. And down to an army that can no longer fight two wars simultaneously. And that's real disrespect for the military. It's, that's not to say that Trump doesn't have some pretty ridiculous situations and things that he said about the military, right? He said that John McCain wasn't a war hero because he was captured. He said that, the, that the, he'd force soldiers to shoot the family members of terrorists in, in violation of uh, federal law and international law. Uh, he said that Iraqi war soldiers, American soldiers, were stealing cash and handing it out to people. And he said some things in the past that are pretty bad. but I don't like to, I don't think the question is is well phrased. But when the rally goes are starting to boo, the mother of a soldier, instead of just letting her ask the question and let Pence take care of it, it's a real mistake. And this is what I'm seeing. This is what's this is my big problem with with the Trump campaign and everything that comes along with it. There's this feeling like everything that Trump does must be defended at all costs, and we have to boo anyone who dares say a naysaying word. And I don't appreciate that, even when I disagree with the person who's saying the naysaying word. Okay, all of that said, there's no question that the media are a bunch of hypocrites. The uh, Pat Smith, who's the mother of, of Sean Smith, who's killed in Benghazi, she was on TV last night and she was talking about the fact the media have been completely ignoring her while paying all sorts of attention to Kaiser Khan, even though Hillary Clinton called her a liar.
4: I do... Complain mightily about well, you're not saying it, but I'm I'm very much against the way I was treated. I was treated like dirt. I don't think that the the Khan family was treated that way, but I was treated like dirt. I was called a liar. I would. She went on TV many times and nodding her head, thinking that she is so wonderful and she knows everything and I know nothing and I was just imagining this. I don't imagine my son getting killed. I don't imagine that at all. But why would she say that to me? And what did she say to the cons? I don't know. I was told so much bull crap about Benghazi and most of it, most of the things that I heard were lies, absolute outright lies that and and that the government never got back to me like they promised Hillary promised she would get back to me and tell me what happened I don't know why my son is dead I want answers and I want answers about why my son is dead and why she made the decisions that she made I don't like her decisions I don't think she'll make a a a very good any kind of good president I don't like her decisions she kills people
0: Okay, And and so, you know, she says that and the media are all over her. She's the she's the worst person. She's terrible. She's awful. It's really it's really foolish uh, for the media to play this double game because it means that everybody knows what liars they are. Another liar, Joe Scarborough on MSNBC. Now he's going nuts. And he says that, that Donald Trump is totally unhinged. He's totally crazy.
3: The other I've known thing. him for a decade, I've never seen him act like this before. It's mm-hmm. unhinged, it's not the Donald Trump that I've known for over a decade. This is, I never have seen anything remotely resembling this type of behavior from a guy who I've known and liked and called a friend.
1: The other thing I, I was hearing that a lot yesterday, the other thing I'm wondering if you heard also from people was, people were asking me, why can't anyone around him get him to stop?
3: I think it's gotten a lot worse even yeah. over the past month. So I mean, I'm I mean, telling you, just... we're in uncharted territory now. I mean, there was, again, there was a time when people could talk to him and say, this is damaging you, this is hurting yeah. you. And this, some is, of this is just insanity, what's happened the past so so four so days. So it's so emotional, think. though. It's not like, it's just, it doesn't feel like it's like a strategy. It feels like it's just a motion. It's not a strategy. Well, it, 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 it's just it, 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 pure emotion. OK, so now we've got well Joe Scarborough ripping Trump up and down.
0: Okay, Joe Scarborough with your, there's something about Mary Hare. Let me explain something to you. You said this like three months ago. It's
3: always against Trump. I mean, but will they say this time it's all over? I'm just saying, seriously, the jackasses that have been doing this for nine months should just stop embarrassing themselves. It's getting really old. What's insulting to me is you can't state politically obvious things, right? Without people saying, oh, you're the tank for Trump. or Oh, you're supporting Trump. Or, oh, no, no, no. We just can actually look at the earth and see that the sun goes down and that it's actually not flat. But there have been a lot of flat earthers out there for nine months right now.
0: Okay, so there he was defending Trump like three months ago. So the the media have played this double game. Notice that they're dumping all of their crap on Trump now, right? They waited until he was the nominee, and then they dumped everything on him, which is perfectly predictable. We were predicting it several months ago. I'll tell you what they're, they're completely ignoring, however, and that is Hillary continuing to lie. So Hillary over the weekend lied about her emails, and then Hillary's spokesperson was on TV last night lying about her lying about her emails.
1: What she attempted to indicate in her response was that Director Comey was very clear when he was asked in the hearing before Congress last month uh, about the nature of the answers that she gave in her interview to the Justice Department. And Director Comey, in response was quite clear that he had no reason to believe that anything she ever said to the Justice Department was at all untruthful. And what she was indicating in that interview to Chris Wallace was that what she said to those Justice Department interviewers was entirely consistent with what she has said uh, to the public for the last several months in the many questions that we've answered on this issue.
0: They're liars, they're liars, they're liars. The media won't cover that. The media will cover all of Donald Trump's various foibles. Granted, those foibles are more fun than covering Hillary Clinton, but it doesn't change the fact that Hillary Clinton is just as terrible as Trump in every way, and in in most ways she's worse. Okay, time for things I like, things I hate, and then the corrections, which is a new addition to the program. And it's a very dangerous game to play when you say that you're going to add corrections to the program, because then everyone who has a correction from 45 episodes ago emails you. (laughs) This is what i found. So we can begin with things I like. We're doing post-apocalyptic literature to prepare you for the end of the World. a last Babylon is today's post-apocalyptic literature Pat Frank this book is is you know kind of a, a classic of the genre a nuclear war hits how do people survive afterward uh, it's uh, it's been made into a movie I think I don't think the movie's particularly good but the, the book is very good uh, I read it several years ago and I just remember enjoying it the, as much as you can enjoy a, a book about the end of the world so a last Babylon Pat Frank check it out at amazon.com okay time for some things that I hate so Apple has decided that it's time to save the world. How are they going to save the world? Not by giving tons of money to charity. Not by hiring more people. No, they're going to save the world by getting rid of the gun emoji and instead replacing it with a water pistol emoji. Here's what the new emoji will look like. Right, so they had the pistol emoji, which is kind of cool. And now they've replaced that with the water gun emoji, which is just dorky. Okay, how are you supposed to express that you want to commit suicide over the selection on Twitter if you have to use a water gun emoji? If you water gun your own head... Presumably, you just get wet. So that's the, this whole thing is stupid. How many lives will this save? None. Will, what will this change? Absolutely nothing. But it makes all the lefties over at Apple feel really good about themselves, because from now on, they won't have to look at those evil, terrible pictures of cartoon guns and feel as though they're making the world a worse place. Now they can look at happy green, happy green water guns, and feel like they're making the world a better place. Okay. Other things that I hate today, the media are losing their mind over Corrin Gates. Okay, Corin Gates is this black woman who was shot by the cops. And they're making a big deal out of out of her being shot. So, Think Progress is headline. And she, you can see her. She's a good looking gal. She's got braces on, it looks like, here. And, and her kid's in the background. She's a little kid. And she's got a couple tattoos. And it says, Police fatally shoot woman holding five-year-old boy in her lap. So, if you read that headline, you would assume that police fatally shot a woman holding a five-year-old boy in her lap. Would you not? Because <laughs> that's the headline. Here's what actually happened. Okay, so they went to her house. They went to her house to issue an arrest warrant for failing to appear in court after a traffic violation in March. No one responded to 10 minutes of door knocking, even though they could hear several people inside. Officers went to the landlord. They obtained a key to the apartment, and they found her sitting on the floor. And her, her five-year-old son was wrapped in one of her in one of her arms. What was in her other arm? a shotgun. That's right. She was carrying a shotgun in her other hand, waiting for the cops to enter. Around 3 p.m. after several hours of negotiation, police say Gaines raised the gun at officers and told them she would kill them if they did not leave, at which point the officers shot her. So they fired one round at her. She fired several rounds back at us. We fired again at her, striking and killing her. Tragically, in this circumstance, the child that was also in the dwelling was struck by a round. The man being sought fled the home. There's a man there also who's being sought. He fled the home with a one-year-old child was later taken into custody. Uh, So we're still seeing if there's any body footage of the incident. The son had uh, non-life-threatening injuries. Of course, everybody is going nuts, right? Oh, my God. Remember, Gates. say her name. I have an idea. Don't try to fire a shotgun at the cops, you human piece of crap, and don't do it while you're holding your baby in your other arm, you double human piece of crap. I have a -a two-and-a-half-year-old kid, and I have a little baby. If I plan on getting into a firefight with police, which I don't, if I do, I guarantee you I'm not going to be holding my child in one hand and the gun in the other. This is a terror tactic, okay? It's something Hamas and Hezbollah do when they're firing at Israeli soldiers. This is something that ISIS does when they're trying to fight American troops. There's been a long-standing, horrible tactic using your kid as a human shield while you fire your shotgun at cops. Not only did this woman deserve to be shot, she deserved the, the electric chair if she would survived. I mean, that's, that's bad stuff, trying to murder cops and put your kid in your lap while you're doing it because you're a piece of crap. That's terrible. Now, if the footage comes out, that's, that's the best available information we have. If the footage comes out and it's a totally different story, I'll retract everything I just said, but that's the information that's being given out, and it doesn't matter. The entire left is still declaring that she was just some innocent woman who was shot by the cops while holding her kid in her lap. Wesley Lowry of the Washington Post says this was a summary execution. No, see, see summary executions don't involve you holding a child on your lap and a gun in your other hand while you're warning the cops you're going to blow them away and then shooting at the cops. Turns out that, that that really has nothing to do with summary execution. It has to do with you being a, a piece of garbage. Okay, time for correction. So, a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned Michael Jordan's kill, uh, Michael Jordan's father's killers, and I said there was two black guys. It wasn't. It was one black guy, one white guy, so there's a quick correction there. Also, yesterday, I gave a specific physical description of Phineas Gage, a man who's very famous in the psychological community because he took a pole through the head, uh, and, uh, and it totally changed his personality, which led people to really think that maybe the brain has something to do with your personality. Apparently, he did not get the poll. I, I said that he got the pole in his eye and it came out the back of his head. It did not. In fact, it went out. It came in below his eye and came out the side of his head. So thank you for the correction, folks. I'm glad that we have a literate audience and they know how to even spell Phineas Gage. That's, that's, a, that's a, a good thing. All right. So we'll be back tomorrow. Hopefully, hopefully, Donald Trump will start to pull things together so that we don't have to do so much bad Trump every day. Hopefully. I mean, I'll admit that I find it amusing when he says silly things, but at some point, at some point. Would it be okay if he just had a normal day where he just attacked Hillary Clinton so we can talk about that? Please, Donald, please. Just control yourself for five seconds. Please. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free...